So how do you see virtual reality being used in education? Well, I think the low-hanging fruit that we may be most familiar with is this idea of field trips. There are places that are just simply inaccessible to the average student, and taking them through that in an immersive way can be quite compelling and engaging. Watching one of the colleges here at ASU do a demo on how they have students looking inside a cell. I remember learning that in high school, and I, and, I mean, at that point, it was just build something, so I used candy to build my cell. Uh, <laughs> but if I could actually put goggles on and walk through it. I mean, that would be a completely different experience. You're listening to Instruction by Design, your podcast to the art of teaching. Augmented and virtual reality was listed in the New Media Consortium's 2016 Horizon Report as technologies that were two to three years from adoption. And now that we're in 2018, and two years have passed since that report, we figured that now was a good time to talk about these emerging technologies. For the sake of discussion, we will use the Merriam-Webster definition for augmented reality, which is an enhanced version of reality created by the use of technology to overlay digital information on an image of something being viewed through a device. From the same source, we will define virtual reality as artificial environment, which is experienced through sensory stimuli, such as sights and sounds, provided by a computer and in which one's actions partially determine what happens in the environment. The foundation of these technologies dates back to 1838 with the invention of the stereoscope, a device that used two mirrors to project a single image. Most of us might remember the device as it was morphed into the Viewmaster, which was introduced in 1939. The idea was that if we limited our vision so that we could only see the artificial environment projected onto our eyes, we would feel immersed in that new location. Over time, people have tried to create devices that would put you in the movie. For an example, there was one device where you could feel the vibration of a motorcycle as you rode it through a scene, hear the engine rumble, and you could even smell the exhaust of the simulation. One time, I was able to enter an F-14 simulator where I could look around the fake cockpit and see the sky projected above and below me as I flew the plane. One of the more crucial advances occurred in the mid-80s when Jaron Lanier, founder of VPL Research, began to develop goggles and gloves that would allow a person to experience what he called virtual reality. This technology was eventually developed as an arcade game in the mid-90s where you could swing a sword like a medieval knight or drive a tank shooting opponents. However, for those of you who remember that game like I do, the graphics were of a very low quality. Also, the helmets were very heavy. At the same time this was happening, a number of universities were developing VR caves where a person could dive through oceans or explore other immersive environments. These caves would monitor the user through the use of various sensors so that the audio system and rear projection walls would adjust appropriately to the user's perspective. It was not long after this that augmented reality was introduced to the general public by Fox Sports. In 1998, they had just started broadcasting the National Football League and they augmented the broadcast by placing a yellow line on the field so viewers could see where the first down line was located. While there have been a number of advances in augmented reality, the one with the most impact was the iPhone. Way back in 2008, developers discovered they could use the device's camera, GPS, and compass to create overlaid graphics. For an example, I could call up an app that would turn on my camera and show what it was seeing with directions and distances to restaurants augmenting the view. I could see the direction I needed to walk in, and I could tap the icon to get a menu. One of the first games to take advantage of this was a Star Wars game where you could look at your local environment with the phone's camera while trying to shoot down TIE fighters. Then of course, 
I think everyone remembers the recent Pokemon Go craze, where we spent a couple months trying to catch them all. But it was these changes with our mobile devices that finally allowed virtual reality to really take off, especially with the improved graphics and smaller size of headsets. The advancement has allowed people to use their phone's display as a magic window into a virtual world or augmented reality. Now that I've covered 180 years worth of technological development, the question is, how can we use augmented and virtual reality for higher education? Welcome to this episode of Instruction by Design, your podcast of the art of teaching. My name is Stephen Crawford from Arizona State University's College of Nursing and Health Innovations Academic Innovation Team. Joining me today are... Aaron Kraft. Celia Katraitiwa. Jeanette Senecal. So let's get things started talking about your experiences with augmented and or virtual reality. Jeanette. Okay, I'll go first, guys. First, I would like to preface this by saying mostly I avoid virtual and augmented reality because it makes me motion sick. So that in some ways perhaps biases me against the technology. However, I still have been exposed to a few different applications. As mentioned, Pokemon Go. My child was very interested in the game and I helped her get started with it and found it quite amusing to overlay little creatures on top of things like your steering wheel. Another uh, kid-related example was one time we were at a restaurant and they uh, included a little game in the child's menu where they could download an app, color a picture, and then it would pop up on the table in three dimensions and they could actually interact with features of the design, which is kind of interesting. And then most recently, I've seen a couple examples where you can get home design apps where you can either take a photo or a video of your interior design and then impose new different color schemes, furniture, etc. So much like like Jeanette, I have not done a lot with augmented reality and virtual reality. I too get sick and so I've kind of stayed away from it a bit. As far as augmented reality, I think the only thing that I've really seen has been through the uh, National Football League games. I'm not so sure that I've seen it elsewhere. I probably have, but didn't pay attention to it. As far as virtual reality goes, I have only gotten close enough to where I bought my daughter a headset and let her play during Christmas. Outside of that, I don't really have much experience. Oh, I love filters on Snapchat too. So <laughs> I guess with that, that would be augmented reality. What's Snapchat? All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. I can Snapchat a video right now. Let's see what filter <laughs> I can put on everyone and we'll throw it on Twitter. I like the one with the glasses because I wear glasses. So it's like an <laughs> augmented version of myself. It went away on the video. Okay, my augmented reality didn't work. <laughs> my reality doesn't work. <laughs> I'm talking about. I reject your reality and substitute it with my own. <laughs> it didn't let me make Aaron a groundhog. <laughs> <laughs> Woe is me. Um, <clears throat> so I have an Oculus Rift, which I purchased earlier in uh, 2017 because it went on sale for $400. You could get the headset. Uh, the two touch controllers and six games, which was a really good deal considering that I think that combination just months prior would have cost somewhere around six, maybe $700. So I had to take advantage of that deal. And I was inspired because I had gone to the distance and teaching, uh, or the distance teaching learning conference up in Madison, Wisconsin. And the keynote speaker was displaying, was showing off his Oculus set. And I just was in love from the get go. So I really enjoyed that. And by the way, I 
get motion sickness only with the immersive environments that are moving. For example, like what's popular now are the roller coasters, hmm. right? If I get into a roller coaster simulation or I had, I downloaded this one that was free. It's basically a flying car. You're just flying through a, a city and it's really cool, but that gets me motion sickness in environments where I dictate where and how I move. Then I don't, I find that, that motion sickness is not a, a terribly big problem. Well, I'll start by saying to date, I haven't gotten sick yet. I've been playing around with a lot of different things. I remember when Google Cardboard came out, and I've got a couple of little uh, kits that are really cool for that, that you can just slide your phone into the device, and then with the lenses, you know, it it's like wearing a VR helmet, except it's handheld. And I think that kind of goes to some of the, the things that we're seeing with the headsets, is that they're telling you, if you're using your phone as the display, don't strap it to your head because you want to keep the time limited by having it handheld to a minute or two because of the slower graphic speeds the 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 the, the uh, sensors that are in it it doesn't sometimes there's a little lag time there's a very slight lag time that your brain can detect i think that's one of the things that as the technology matures more and more and gets more powerful with faster graphics you know, right now, 4K, I think, was a major tipping point for a lot of these devices. Once it gets higher than that, what, 8K or whatever comes next? There is an 8K um, headset. Yeah, and that's why I said 8K. You know, it's knowing it's coming, I mean, maybe that's another uh, step in the evolution to minimize the motion uh, sickness that some people have. Though I think if you get car sick, it doesn't really matter at all in, in, in that case, whether you're using a full immersive set or not. Well, I have a game where I basically sit in a chair and play virtual chess with somebody who uh, pops in the opponent's seat. And there's definitely no motion sickness going on there. So it, it really does depend on, I think, what's happening in the environment, if there's a lot of motion or not. However, that being said, I can't speak for Janet or Celia. Maybe, maybe just being in a virtual environment where you can't see the ground messes with your senses enough to where you uh, actually feel that loss of balance. I know I watched my father and my mother-in-law strap on the headset and they they took a tumble a time or two just but i had them playing action games by the way so <laughs> i should uh, preface it with that but they did there was a moment where they would fall forward because you can't see the ground and it messes with your senses well i, I i've done a number of vr demos at conferences and i've always tried to have the people if, especially if the set, if, if it's like an Oculus Rift set, have them sit down for that first experience. What I've discovered is, is that they want to just whip that head around and, and spin around as they're trying to see things and, and see how immersive it is. And so, yeah, I, I don't want anybody getting hurt. So I usually have them sit down in a wheelie chair, you know, if you're using the phone. And that's the coolest thing is like, I love some of the, the NASA VR videos that are of, of astronaut training. So you you feel like you're diving down into the big six-story swim tank in Huntsville, Alabama, or your, or some of the graphics of the moon and such they've come up with. So there's some really cool things with that. But you know, here's a question. You know, we, we we're talking about this as an emerging technology with higher education, and while we know there's a lot of entertainment value going on, what do you see, or how do you see augmented reality potentially being used in education? What have you seen so far, and what do you think? might be a future of it. The only example I've seen really so far that I'd call augmented reality might be a physical space like a classroom or, or lab where there are digital annotations that pop up around different stations or additional information that can be, that can be keyed in 
you know, that goes back to the idea of a heads-up display. You know, before the idea of a self-driving car hit the, the mass public, the idea was that our windshields would turn into an augmented reality with a heads-up display with digital information like mm-hmm. that. And, and I think that's where Google Glass, I think, was a, was a hope that we could have something like that. I think that's a really cool idea is that, yeah, you, you walk into an, a lab environment and you can see all the hazardous stuff being labeled and that'd be cool. So as a former ESL teacher, that stands for English as a Second Language, I see the benefit, for example, if a student were to open the app on their phone and then they could point their camera towards like a table and the word table comes up in English or whatever Hmm. language you're studying, right? I think that would be really fun. But that also speaks to the fact that technology alone is not going to teach the student the word table, there has to be some sort of educational underpinning for it to actually, I think, for deep learning to occur, for the actual understanding of, of the term to occur. However, I, I think the technology is sort of dazzling and it's, it's engaging and it's fun. And, and, and you know, uh, <laughs> the kids these days, they love playing with their phones. I sound so old now, <laughs> but <laughs> it's true. You know, we like playing with our phones and then technology is cool. And I think this is one when you can finally start immersing yourself in, in these environments, it, it is motivating. So I do see the inspirational factor being there for uh, the augmented um, environments and and for that helping students to want to learn. Yeah, I think one of the barriers that we deal with is kind of almost kind of how you and I differed in our conversations. The idea of a phone, having to pull a phone out and then get information and then me referring to the old Google Glass project. That's where I think augmented reality is going to have a hard time making that next jump. I think augmented reality is the easier of the two platforms to create content in it. And I think that's Most one definitely. of the reasons. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and you look at what's happening with AR Kit from Apple and what's the Google one called? AR Core. AR Core. So you, we've got the, the two big companies for mobile phones trying to do something out there. And I think it's going to be very useful and I think it's going to be very easy to put it into our hands to do things. But at the same time, I think it's going to be limiting on the user side because having to pull your phone out and, and, and aim it is one thing. I think having a, a, a study, and I'm going to go back again, a study something like Google Glass where you look at it and it's automatically reading the environment. Um, I was involved in a project years ago where we were doing wearable computers and it had a built-in HUD, which essentially was it was projecting a screen over one eye or out on one eye. So you could still see what was going on. And the, the scenario we had thrown out there was because we were near a naval base, you're working on a ship, you're on a ladder, you need to call up the latest manual on the thing that you're trying to fix. You can't carry a manual with you. You don't know if it's the current version of the manual, but on that display, it'd be augmenting what you're seeing with the, ma- with the current manual digitally. And I think that's a really interesting concept from an educational standpoint that if you go back to the glass type of mindset and technologies, then the idea is that as a student, I could be calling up resources instantly where, without having to look at my phone, which could create a very interesting attention situation, I know. But you know, a lot of areas we always get upset with uh, students being distracted by technology, that'd be one more distraction. But I think it's a really cool thing to think about. Well, the potential is there. It is a shame that you have to have a phone that can run it. So you have to have a a smartphone that has a good CPU in it, uh, a chip that can process 3D graphics. Luckily, the entry for the entry fee for augmented reality is much lower than it is for virtual reality. So it's in, in most 
people, at least in the US, have smartphones. So that's something that you can consider. And the iPhone's been doing it since 2008. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, we, we're doing more complicated things now, and that yeah. raises the bar too. So let's move from augmented reality to something that's a little bit harder for us to create, but I think has a very powerful uh, opportunity, and that is virtual reality. So how do you see virtual reality being used in education? Well, I think the low-hanging fruit that we may be most familiar with is this idea of field trips. And you alluded to that, seeing something through an astronaut training demonstration where, you know, there are places that are just simply inaccessible to the average student and taking them through that in an immersive way can be quite compelling and engaging. The other uh, simulation-oriented application, I think, in the health sciences, there's a lot of interest in being able to conduct virtual surgeries and things like that that are kinesthetic, but in a way that they can receive uh, formative feedback. One other <clears throat> place that i uh, forgot to mention earlier about my experience with virtual reality was watching one of the colleges here at ASU do a demo on how they have students looking inside a cell. And I thought that was a really neat way to kind of get a better understanding, a deeper understanding of the cellular structure and how it all works together. I remember learning that in high school and I, and I mean, at that point it was just build something. So I used candy to build my cell. Uh, but if I could actually put goggles on and walk through it, I mean, that would be a completely different experience, which also led me to thinking about, you know, the surgeries and then the other field trip types of virtual reality environments that you could do. I, there are numerous applications for VR in education. I'm thinking anything that's prohibitive in terms of cost or just physicality. For example, uh, you could use a, a virtual environment to analyze or investigate or just take a trip around a volcano. But maybe you can't actually go into a volcano because that would be getting too close to the heat. You know, so issues like that are training, for example. Um, you know, Stephen brought up the being in a, in a jet cockpit, mm -hmm. right? Well, this is something that's actually rather cost prohibitive. It's, it's difficult, I think, or it's, it's very expensive to send new trainees into a jet every time they need to get experience on how to fly, right? But if they can go into a virtual world, well, you just, you know, that, that's not terribly uh, cost prohibitive at all. So there is, are there are those uh, benefits for that? I think what my guess, if I had a crystal ball, would be that in the future we would see virtual classrooms where the didactic is still used. I know it's not the best case scenario, but you know, you have the low-hanging fruit, like the uh, virtual field trips. But I think where this might actually come um, in handy is something like when you have a geographically diverse student body, you can actually gather them into a single virtual room and they can connect and create community. And then through that, a learning experience. You know, and this is obviously grounded in a social constructivist ideology. So I would be really excited to see if things eventually move in that direction. So things like virtual hours. So everyone can come in and do conferences with the instructor or yeah. just talk to the instructor. Maybe the hallway conversations is actually in a virtual environment rather than... Actual virtual hours, actual can you imagine? It's the hours. next evolution of Second Life and MMOs. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because, you know, my Second Life was a really neat progression, but it was a 2D representation of a virtual world. And it highlighted my frustration with virtual classrooms in a virtual world. And that is the first thing we want to do when we build a virtual school is to build virtual classrooms, the virtual desks that the students virtually sit at. And it's like, why are we replicating what we've been doing for hundreds of years? Why do we keep doing this? There's a movie about to come out that Steven Spielberg has directed called Ready Player One. And 
it's about a virtual world. And, and if you love the 80s and you like technology, go watch this movie. I'm in the middle of, I just started reading the book actually not too long ago. And it was written in 2011. And he really paints in the opening chapters what a virtual school in a VR world would look like with a headset. I think that was one of the problems with things like uh, Second Life is that you would go in and you would your avatar would be crazy. School rules system made you look like a normal person. You didn't have a funky name. You had a your real name attached to you while you were in school. Once you left school, it went back to your regular avatar and your regular screen name. You you know you had the the limits where if you fell off your seat in the real world, the system wouldn't let you get out of your chair in the virtual world and therefore interrupt the class. It was really interesting how he painted that picture, but it made sense because at the same time the students are pulling overlays inside their virtual character as they're looking into the classroom looking at the teacher they're seeing screens pop up with other information so they can browse the web or read other articles and the tipping point that made that seem reasonable for me was in the real world you had an economic disaster you had the an environmental disaster so most physical buildings were crumbling and coming apart so it was a way to escape the real world truly and see a virtual what it used to be like. And so in that case, they painted a really interesting picture. So I'm waiting to see how the movie handles that. But the idea that, you know, essentially you got a free headset if you uh, and you as long as you went to high school and graduated, you you could keep it. And if you dropped out of high school, you had to get the headset back. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Magic School Bus. <laughs> Jumping into the school bus and getting right into the learning. I, I thought of that as soon as you said mm -hmm. the cell thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, because that's that's so cool. Those used to be my favorite videos to watch. What was the teacher's name? Oh, Miss Frizzle. Frizzle. Yes, Miss Frizzle. She was the best teacher ever. <laughs> <laughs> it also reminded me of Jumanji, though, uh, because I've seen Jumanji recently. So that also made me think about not only the newer version, but the the original version and how they, you know, jump into the game and they actually become the game. And that's what VR actually reminds me of or makes me think about. Right. And what I noticed and the reason why I'm actually really into VR is because that is an amazing experience when you're completely surrounded, when you're in a 360 degree environment that you can move dynamically in and interact with, that really does sort of play with your senses. I mean, you feel almost like you're actually there. You know, and I, I think the only thing taking me out of it is you can feel the weight of the headset a little bit. I can feel being tethered to the PC and I'm holding controllers to interact. But the day they come out with five finger tracking, wow, it's going to be crazy. But it, I, I didn't, that speaks to the power of VR. I think it can enable empathy better than other platforms could. Well, actually, I, I, I agree it'll help. I would actually say it'll, it'll increase it because Jim G, uh, an educational researcher who was at ASU, I know for a while, one of his theories was that, and, and it seemed to be true in his research, was that when you played a game, whether it was Laura Croft or Mario, whatever character was, you developed an, a, an attachment to that character where it was a, a projection of yourself. So your character didn't die in the game, you died in the game. So what happens when you're immersed and now, oh, my, my avatar was swimming around a cell exploring. No, I was swimming around a cell exploring the different parts of a cell. I was the one who was flying through the solar system and identifying the planets. You know, I, I, I see that being a very different experience. Well, it's funny you bring up Mario because the first time I put on the VR 
headset and went into the tutorial, I was blown away. And I hadn't felt that way since I had my first Nintendo when I was like five or six years old. You, you remember that feeling when you first played Mario and just how cool that was. That was amazing. It was mind blowing. And I felt that way again last year. So I think that's what speaks to the power of, of, of or at least the potential of VR. We had a lot of you know, groundbreaking innovations that sort of fizzled out. You know, you think of Second Life, which is on its last leg, last I've heard. I hate to, you know, apologies. It's any still Second there, Life but it's yeah, still there, but, but it's not but what it was. But it's not what it was. Then we had MOOCs. They were supposed to redefine education. You know, and that, I'd hate to say that fizzled out because it didn't fizzle out, but it definitely yeah, it did. didn't live up to the hype. I think when we started uh, distance education through computers, uh, that was really cool. And, and you can see the potential and you felt the potential. And I think this is the next step. Now you're going beyond the screen. Yeah, I, 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 I'm one of those people who refuse to buy in that anything is going to transform education as we know it completely. But I do acknowledge it has the potential to change. You know, computers definitely change education, but you can still educate without a computer. Again, going back to the virtual worlds in the classroom, the idea that the virtual field trips, you know, uh, we have a number of, of faculty at ASU, especially in the sciences, who have created these great virtual field trips where you can go from a VR 360 sphere and explore a cactus, explore the desert, explore the Grand Canyon, explore other parts, you know, and, and the ability to create a VR 360 is very inexpensive. It's, it's easy to do. Posting them and making them available online, that's been hard. I think VR films are going to be a very interesting trend. I know uh, PBS did a VR 360 movie of the Civil War. And so the idea that you're standing on the battlefield watching the two lines of troops come at you with the bullets whizzing by your head and you're hearing someone shout and you look at it, being able to truly be in the movie. I think you were talking about this, the surgery simulations, Jeanette. And so I think the ability to, you know, for some of our nurses to get our student nurses to get into a medical area before they actually get into that area itself. I mean, to be able to create a virtual field trip of some of the different hospital environments you know, when there's no patients in there. So we don't have to worry about HIPAA guidelines, but they can get immersed there and practice being in that environment before they actually step into that environment, I think can be a, a huge boon to their ability to, to apply and use time appropriately. Something that's normally prohibitive is now accessible. Yeah. What about the implications that you guys were talking about last week about power dynamics, about gender and race in a virtual realm where you can decide all that? That was that's a good question. I, you know, yeah, so Ricardo just asked off mic about what, you know, in light of our previous episode, what does the VR environment have as an impact with gender and age and all those different, you know, nationality and roles that we can now customize on the fly with our avatar and present ourselves in a different way? Well, to loop back to Second Life, I think there were a lot of educational researchers who saw great promise there because, again, with that avatar, there was maybe never a realized application, but this thought that you could live someone else's experience, you could you could see a different perspective and and see how individuals reacted to you in a sort of simulated life space. What was that study that we were being told about the other day, Stephen? Something about, for example, like a white male would have the headset put on and then he would extend his arm onto a table, but his arm was a black female. And then in the virtual world, that arm would be pet or touched with something. And then that experience would actually be replicated 
his arm would be uh, touched in the real world by like a feather or something. And apparently he, he, these people that went through this experience in the study would experience an incredible amount of empathy towards whomever they, whoever their avatars were in that virtual world. I think they do similar experiment, um, experiments in, in real life with mirrors as well. Interesting. Yeah. To get that, that feeling now that your that, yeah. stimulation is occurring. It was that, but in a VR world. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and I know our, our some of our colleagues at Cronkite, they're doing a whole new news gathering and reporting with VR. Mm. And, and, and I know they're looking to issues like that, too. Yeah, what so, were they doing? They were, they were taking old photographs, going to the locations of those photographs. Well, and that was one of the things I probably should have mentioned in the augmented reality part is that in some cases you can, they're trying to, I think they were building an app where you could go somewhere and it would overlay what you're seeing with what it used to look like mm -hmm. 50, 100 years ago. And that way you can kind of get a feel for what it used to be. Yeah, their, their project was downtown Phoenix yeah, 20 years ago here. or something like yeah. that. And the, but there were some others at different timelines at different, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Because apparently downtown Phoenix looked much different than, than it does today. I'm, I'm not a native here, so I don't know, but... To close out the episode, I'm curious to know if you think virtual and augmented reality is still a bunch of hype... Or are they ripe for use in higher education? I think it definitely has its place in higher education, given some of the examples that we gave tonight, today. It's tonight if they're listening to it at night. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, th this is big. And this is, to me, and I, I could be wrong, but to me, this is much bigger than any of the other groundbreaking revolutions in education that we've had over the past maybe 10 years. I think this one's going to have some uh, transformative power. Hype for now, but stay tuned as the technologies and availability mature. I, you know, I want to agree with you on that, Jeanette. I, I think it's a little overhyped still today because it's so hard to create things, especially in the VR world. But when it can be used, it is really, really useful. And I think it's right there. And I, I think there's a couple more changes that need to occur still with the tools, the simplicity of both using and creating. The accessibility. The accessibility. Yeah, we even talk about accessibility issues. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a couple of things I think need to occur before I would consider this a ripe technology for higher education. And I'm not even the one who's into it that much. Where did that come from? Because <laughs> he said it's hype and I said it was ripe and I haven't even done much. Hype or ripe? <laughs> I'm going to go with ripe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as I mentioned in the opening, augmented and virtual reality is an emerging technology, and it is important to remember that there has been relatively little research about the most effective ways to use these technologies as instructional tools. I hope that this episode helped you consider how AR and or VR can be used to help your students improve their learning, and that you will consider partnering with an instructional designer to research and publish your findings. I want to thank Jeanette, Celia, and Aaron for helping me explore this topic that I'm sure that we will hear more about in the coming year or two. I also want to thank Ricardo Leon for augmenting our reality by ensuring that we sound virtually perfect. You can reach us on Twitter at IBD underscore podcast. That is IBD as an in instruction by design underscore podcast. Or you can email us at instructionbydesign at asu.edu. To find previous episodes, please visit our website at links.asu.edu slash IBD underscore podcast. This podcast was produced by Arizona State University's College of Nursing and Health Innovation.
Actually, true story. This thing's happened to me since I don't have cable anymore. I watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. It's really embarrassing. Yes, I saw that clip. But the guy. Oh, the football one? Yeah, nobody oh answered goodness. an entire question in a whole category. No, the three, I knew all five of them. The three people had no clue. For Jeopardy? They were all, yeah. they no. were all football it questions. Was, <laughs> it was the last five questions of the round. They, yeah. yeah, they basically ignored him to the very end. Yeah, That's Alex Trebek hilarious. was like, he was dying. It was so funny. Oh, yeah, he was oh, great. See he that was throwing some so. shade. I'm sure that's going to be excerpted somewhere on YouTube. That probably. Is so it's already funny. there. Sometimes I'll watch it and just be like, oh, I should be on the show. What? Anytime I think of Jeopardy, you? I think of White Men Can't Jump. Because remember the girlfriend studying to be oh, on the Jeopardy yeah. game the Stunning. whole time. So she's just like... Going fact crazy oh, the entire movie. Yeah. Yes. Okay, let's let's pretend to start. 